This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the RJ Ringside Podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang, and I'm joined with our boxing writer, Sam Gordon, and our MMA writer, Adam Hill. We're going to get into everything and the big announcements, the big fights, all right here. You can find this podcast on ReviewJournal.com slash podcast, or make sure to subscribe as well wherever you check out your podcasts and find everything that we do on social media as well at by Sam Gordon, at Adam Hill, LBRJ, and I'm at Heidi Fang. And we are brought to you today by Bet online deal dash and sunday ticket all right guys let's get into it because like i said right there we have so much happening with uh let's start with boxing just because i think there was a pretty big announcement there with oscar de la hoya saying that he is going to return i think mike tyson started something is there something in the the water sam what is happening with everybody coming out to get into this and want to fight again yeah, I really have no idea, Heidi. There must be something in the water. But, uh, you know, you said it. Oscar De La Hoya, at the age of 47, um, says he's coming out of retirement. He wants to keep fighting. And not only does he want to keep fighting, uh, he wants to fight a a top guy. So he says. He told ESPN Steve Kim, any top guy, any top guy out there uh, in between 154 and 160 pounds. What does that mean? What does that look like? Who's, that, who, who's in those weight classes? Is it, you know, one of the herrings? Is it... Uh, Gennady Golovkin is his golden boy, his protege, Canelo Alvarez. We'll see. Um, I, I know it's, he hasn't fought since 2008. I know that I, th- I think it's kind of a dangerous thing for him. I mean, he's 47, and he did not look good uh, with the, his, towards the twilight of, I guess, what his career was towards the late 2000s. There, we, we remember what happened against Manny Pacquiao that effectively ended his career here at MGM Grand Garden Arena. He lost four of his final seven fights. Uh, but but I guess, like you said, there's something in the water. He wants to come back and, and, you know, made an interesting comment, Heidi. All these fighters are not of the level that was 15, 20 years ago. All these fighters are demanding so much money. All these fighters are demanding the moon. And they're forgetting that you must train. You must work hard. So that's a huge advantage for me because I know what it takes to train hard. I know how to train smart. I know how to fight smart in the ring. Is, is he implying there that, that this generation, of that there's not as much talent right now, and that's why he can come back? I don't know. But, uh, so here, here's the thing on this. First of all, this is obviously stupid. It's a, it's a really uh-huh. dumb decision. I don't want to see this. It makes sense that we're talking about it. It makes sense that we're writing about it. All of those things. Yes, I get it. It's just stupid because he's not going to be competitive. And it's really obnoxious that we have to do this. But we do because he's a major star that said he's going to fight when he's almost 50 years old. So I get why, I get why people are intrigued. But here's the thing. I think I know who he's fighting. Like, do you? Who would be your best guess of who he's gonna fight? 
Oh, Floyd, Floyd Mayweather? Okay, <laughs> he'd get absolutely murdered by Floyd Mayweather. He's not, and he's not fighting Canelo because he'd, he'd get murdered by him. But but it's also like his guy. So, I mean, are, are they just going to say, hey, let's go in there and spar and make you know millions and millions of dollars each by not hurting each other, I guess? I mean, it would only be Canelo that would have to try not to hurt Oscar. Oscar can't hurt Canelo. Uh, there's, there's no top fighter that he's going to fight and have any kind of you know competition with. So here's the thing. He's fighting Conor McGregor. Like, this just makes too much sense. Like, they would make so much money. Conor's not going to hurt him in boxing. Uh, he, it could actually – I don't know where Oscar is in his conditioning, and he says his jab is fast. Yeah, he says it's fantastic. Yeah, he said his jab is fast. He said he needs to see exactly where his actual boxing conditioning is. Uh, I get all those things. He's not going to be competitive against anybody real. I think he's fighting Connor, and I think that fight would make a ton of money, and it makes some sense for both guys. I know one thing that Connor does well at making, that's money. So, I mean, he's been out. He retired, uh, said again that he's retired for, I think, the eighth time from MMA. So with Connor saying that you know, that would be something that he'd be interested in doing, and he has said in the past that he's been interested in doing it in Allegiant Stadium, if that's something that can come together maybe early 2021, why not? Yeah, and, and I mean, if the point is to make money, which it is, I mean, that's why that's why guys fight. Uh, I, I don't think Oscar has any kind of legacy to try to fight for, and I don't think he's going to be able to get any win that would help his legacy. Like, this is about money. That fight makes money. It's it, it, I, I was going to say it's competitive. I don't know if it's competitive. It's competitive, <laughs> it's competitive if De La Hoya is not De La Hoya. If De La Hoya looks like a 47-year-old man that hasn't boxed in forever, then maybe it's competitive. Uh, but if De La Hoya is sharp, I still don't think that fight is competitive. I, I don't know. I think there's intrigue at least to it where, you know, any of these other fights, I think you go in saying, oh, I want to see Oscar and he's just going to get murdered. If he's fighting Connor, I think you go in saying, all right, who could win this fight? And I think Oscar's a big favorite, but you at least have some questions. Well, what are the chances do you think? I mean, how likely is it that if indeed this does happen, that he looks somewhat like Oscar De La Hoya and not like a 47-year-old that hasn't fought 12 years? I don't know. Oscar De La Hoya looked awful last time he fought when he was 35. 100%. 100%. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. But is he good enough to beat a guy that's only fought one time in his life? And, I mean, boxed one time in his life? Yeah, I think I think he is. Uh, but I at least think there's – you go into that fight saying you're not 100% sure, Connor, or excuse me, that you're not 100% sure Oscar wins, but you think he will if he looks okay. Like, I, I don't know. I think there's at least – at least enough questions to get me to be interested in the outcome. If, okay, if you weren't, in a, if you were not a member of the media and you were just a regular combat sports fan, a casual fan, would that be something you would pay for? Pay per view dollars? Mm. Oh, I would definitely be something I'd be interested in. Like, hey, if we can get a group together, okay, like let's let's see if we can throw some money down. Am I am I paying? You know, what I, I think Floyd Connor was a hundred. It might have been more than that, actually. Uh, am I am I sitting at home paying a hundred dollars to watch it? No, but if if you're like, hey, ten of us are getting together and throwing ten each, like, sure, okay. Okay. And, right. By the way, I think at this point in in our coronavirus world, I'd I'd welcome any reason to get together with you know ten <laughs> friends if it was. If it was <laughs> I was just about to say, how do you get all those yeah. 10 friends together? Yeah. <laughs> do you have enough room for yeah. social distancing? Okay. Yeah. Good, Lar good, good. Large room with many chairs spread out and wear masks. I think we'll be okay. 
All right. Well, let's get into Canelo. It's a name we just mentioned. Canelo uh, looks like he has somebody set up to face for the WBC super middleweight title. Sam, what do you got for us on that? Well, the WBC wants to, so just, just to provide some context, David Benavides last week, last weekend, missed weight. He was the WBC super middleweight champion, missed weight and got his title stripped. Uh, he took care of business in that fight, but as a result, that title has been vacated. And the WBC this week voted for Canelo to fight Avni Yodira? I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> I, really don't know, I really don't know if I'm saying that right because I've never heard of him. And frankly, he's an opponent the zone does not want Canelo to fight, and understandably so. And because of that, now there's more there's more of a holdup with, with what Canelo's going to do. There, the Triple G fight that the zone obviously wanted, the trilogy that would sell, that would make money, that would generate some subscriptions, that's off the table. That's not going to happen in September. And frankly, there's a, a snag between Golden Boy, DeZone, and Canelo with what they want to do and who they want to fight next. So, so this saga continues. We've known for a while now that Canelo has been kind of unhappy with the trajectory that he's been on with DeZone, with Golden Boy, and that continues. And at this point, who, who does Canelo fight? The Billy Joe Saunders fight's off the table. He's not going to be fighting Canelo. Maybe a Callum Smith, uh, another undefeated champion from England, the U.K., that would be intriguing. That would be something there. But again, if that happens, we're not looking at that until maybe the end of 2020, early 2021. So I think at this juncture, all things considered, there's a real chance we don't see Canelo this year. And and we last saw him in November, uh, being Sergey Kovalev last November. If he doesn't fight this year, it'll be more than a year. Uh, these are prime years for Canelo. He's 30 right now. He's in his prime. He's the, the headliner in boxing right now. And I just think it would be a real shame that they're not going to be able to get anything done. And it goes to show you, again, kind of the politics of boxing and, and the TV networks and all the things that have, you know, have continued to plague the sport. And he, the fact that he, it's been almost a year and, and there cannot be, there's not a marquee fight for him that can be made is, to me, is troubling. Sam, to be fair, I can't say Avni Yildirim's name either. I'm trying, but I have no idea. All right, so uh, last thing here I want to touch on with boxing before we head to break is to talk about the Sean Porter-Sebastian Formella conference call that you were on today, Uh, Sam. What kind of news did you get out of that call, and what kind of things could we expect to see as the buildup begins for this fight happening? Yeah, uh, I mean, big big opportunity here for Sean Porter to re-enter the title conversation. It's the WBC IBF title eliminator. Sebastian Fornello is not really a name guy. It's somebody I wasn't super familiar with you know, before this fight was announced. He's from Germany and he's fought in Europe, so this is his American debut. And uh, from from all from from everything that was talked about on the call this morning, I mean, he, he he conceded he is not a power puncher. He wants to use the ring. He wants to move. He wants to fight. Um, supporter call it kind of an amateur style. He wants to, to use the space in the ring and, and work his jab and fight at a distance. And we know what Sean Porter likes to do. He likes to get in there and go and apply pressure and apply pressure and apply pressure. So you're going to see some contrasting styles. And, and if Sean Porter takes care of business, which I expect him to do, no disrespect to Fornella, I just don't think he's in Porter's class. Porter is a former world champion who gave Errol Spence all, everything he could handle. Should Sean Porter take care of business, he would be next in line to fight the winner of Errol Spence and Danny Garcia and re-enter that, that, that title conversation that he's been in throughout the course of his career. So that is Saturday. That's a PBC on Fox event. Uh, he's, I mean, during this boxing restart, he's perhaps the biggest name. And so that there's some, a little bit of excitement there. He lives in Las Vegas. We know he's very present around town, uh, as we touched on on earlier podcasts. And to, 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 I expect him to win and, and get back in that title picture moving forward. But nonetheless, it's intriguing because it's an unbeaten opponent that we don't know a lot about who, who could fight, who could present a unique style for Porter. So that's Saturday at PBC on Fox. 
All right, right there. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about UFC 252, recap that, and see where Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic may lead their careers on next. And then we'll also get into the Pedro Munoz-Frankie Edgar fight coming up here August 22nd at the UFC Apex. So stay tuned right here on the RJ Ringside Podcast. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Welcome back to the RJ Ringside Podcast. It's Heidi Fang, Sam Gordon, and Adam Hill. And Adam, right now, I want to take your thoughts about what happened at UFC 252 and see which way it leads us. Because after the fight between Miochik and Cormier, which uh, was kind of led up to be what could be Cormier's last fight in the octagon, and being that he was on the losing end, I don't know if somebody like him can walk away as uh, somebody that lost the better part of that trilogy, losing two fights to Stipe in the end, and also walking away without having been crowned the champion of the heavyweight division. So I wanted to get your take and ask if you think this will be Daniel Cormier's last fight. Yeah, I mean, he doubled down on that after the fight, and, and you know, he had some time to think about it. He said right after the fight, he was going to, he was going to follow through and retire and then put out a big retirement statement afterwards. Uh, I think right now he believes it, uh, but it, it is tough as you start to, you know, distance yourself from that and start to realize, you know, your last fight is going to be a, a decision lost at an empty arena when you got your eye poked and couldn't see for the last two rounds. Like, I, th- I just think there's a lot of things at play there that might make him reconsider that. Uh, the biggest issue to me isn't, whether he's going to want to fight again, because I think he'll get the itch and he'll he'll get in that mood and say, yeah, I, I kind of want to take a fight. I mean, for God's sakes, Oscar De La Hoya is like 72 in his fighting. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think everybody gets that. And you talk to any retired fighter and they're like, yeah, there's that moment where you're like, I want to come back. The question is, who does Cormier fight if he comes back? And I think you start to look through the list. It becomes tough to come up with somebody. As he said, I only want to fight for titles. Well, okay. How far down the line are you for title for a title in the heavyweight division right now? Uh, you're not cutting the 205 again, I don't think. Uh, I think he wants to try to recapture that heavyweight title if he was going to fight. And now you've got you know fights lined up for the rest of the year. You've got not only Francis Ngannou fighting next for the heavyweight title. John Jones said he is next after Ngannou to fight for the heavyweight title. So now we've got what two fights? If you have to have rematches in there at some point, I don't know three fights away. Uh, is Cormier three fights away from a title? And then what does he do in the meantime? So, you know, does he come back? Does does Daniel Cormier get the, the competitive juices flowing enough to say, yeah, I want to fight Curtis Blades? Like, I, I just, I don't see it. I, and as much as that fight would mean, uh, if you if you were to book that and say, okay, the winner gets the next title shot, fine. 
But does Daniel Cormier at 41, who's already says he's retired, want to go through a training camp to try to wrestle Curtis Blades? I mean, we know what Cormier can do as a wrestler, but I just don't see that being this driving you know, motivation to get him back in the gym. So uh, I, I do think he's going to want to fight. I think he'll he'll hint at it. And he'll he'll kind of discuss it. I mean, hell, George St. Pierre is still kind of throwing out hints every couple of months. So he'll think about it, but what fight makes sense? You know, for George St. Pierre, what fight made sense? It was to come back to try to win that middleweight title that he'd never won. Okay, that got him back in. What interests Cormier enough to get him back in? And I think that's the biggest question. I think it could be John Jones. Um, John Jones is somebody that's always been right there as the arch nemesis for Cormier. But I would say John Jones would have to lose his heavyweight debut in order for Cormier to have a case to come back to fight him because John Jones wins next thing, you know, it's, it's going after another title there. So it's like, what do you do in the case of Cormier? Like you said, if there's nobody for him to fight. So my only thing is it could be John Jones, but how does that happen? Is is this something that we still have to get to? Uh, What else happened here? The big news is um, like we talked about just a little bit there. We touched on it was John Jones and that he has actually vacated the light heavyweight belt and they're going to make a fight there, Adam, for the vacant light heavyweight belt in the UFC. So uh, who do we have lined up for that and what can we expect to see out of that fight? Yeah, uh, Dominic Reyes, who was supposed to get a rematch uh, with John Jones and John Jones has decided to, as you said, vacate the title. So no more rematch for him. Instead, Dom Reyes will fight Jan Blachowicz for the light heavyweight title. And ladies and gentlemen, book your tickets now. Uh, I, I Listen, does that fight, does that fight interest anyone that's not a hardcore, hardcore fan of the sport? This is a 205-pound division that was once the glamour division that we still have talked about as the glamour division with all the champions that have come through and all the success and all the names that have been at light heavyweight. Uh, we talked so long about, you know, Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and Randy Couture's there before it's a heavyweight and, then he went on to Shogun and John Jones and like all these huge names of fighters. Like that was the that was the belt that everybody, even though heavyweight is always, you know, some people talk about light heavyweight in the UFC was the glamour division. And now it's Dom Reyes and Yabu Hoyach. And, and I know, listen, I know that they're, <laughs> both, they're both very good. Uh, I just, and Dom Reyes certainly coming off, um, you know, a, a good performance, a fight where he almost won the light heavyweight title from John Jones. But I just don't think they're there yet in terms of the star power that's going to intrigue people, all that star power is kind of going to heavyweight now. And, and I think that's part of why John Jones is saying, you know what, he's always hinted at moving to heavyweight, but now he's looking around and saying, okay, fighting, you know, guys like Stipe, guys like Francis Ngannou, um, guys like potentially, I don't think it's exciting, but like a Curtis Blades fight is intriguing. Uh, fighting those type of guys, I think is just more interesting right now to him uh, than fighting, you know, the, the kind of the, the strange mix that's at light heavyweight right now among the contenders. More names I can't say, Jan Blachowicz. I, I can never say his name right. I always look at it, and I know how to spell it. It's B-L-A-C-H-O-V-I-C-T-Z. And then I'm like, okay, but if you're pronouncing it the way Adam does, it's so fluid. But yeah, Adam, I have to agree that there's nobody really lighting up to see that one right now, uh, it, it book your tickets. Uh, actually, will that be taking place though on Yaw's Island? Because I think the UFC now, uh, once their run here in Las Vegas is over, that's where they're heading back. And Dana White has said for a very long time. Yeah, they're going to be going back at some point. I don't think they have that scheduled out. From what I uh, was told this week, they're going to have um, a lot of 
uh, cards through Thanksgiving, probably every week until Thanksgiving and probably not have a week off. Uh, just if you're, if you're wondering maybe why the schedule is a little light coming up and you're, you're looking and like, hey, there's a fight card, but there's no real fights announced. Uh, I think they're being much more cautious now uh, in how they announce the fights and, and what fights they, uh, they do come out and say because so many changes have been taking place, whether it's visa issues or testing issues or um, you know, injuries or, or all sorts of things that are happening. And they're changing these fight cards every single week. And I think they're getting frustrated with that. So I think you're going to see a lot more fight cards where you don't even know who's on the card until you know, 10 days out or so. Uh, where they're booking these cards and they're full cards, but they're just not telling us uh, or letting that news out there. So uh, kind of be aware of that, that even though you might not know who's on these cards, that they're going to take place. Uh, they're going to go all the way up through that. And then, and as you said, they're going to go back to Fight Island. I just don't know when uh, and for how long they're going to do it uh, and then make that happen. And then be on the lookout because even though Dana White said this week, he's not even thinking about fans. Like that's not in his mind right now. Uh, he wants to make sure uh, that they just get these cards done and, and he's going to worry about fans down the road. Uh, interesting little nugget that we saw that saliva test approved on Friday, or excuse me, on Saturday, the day of the UFC event, uh, the, the FDA approved, uh, you know, the, the saliva test. It's a 10 minute test. It's only uh, about $10 each test to produce back in May. Dana told me about this. He said, I was in Jacksonville and he said, you know, there's a there's a saliva test that's being produced. Uh, the president told me about it, and that's going to be the game changer that'll get fans back in the back in the arenas. So that's approved now. Uh, I talked to Dana a little bit about it Saturday night. He said it's too soon to really know how much of a game changer it is, but he said, "Trust me, it's a game changer." And I think this is what is going to start getting leagues to to start at least thinking about getting fans back in. So at some point this year, uh, that that could be what changes things for the UFC, and they start to at least think about. Uh, putting fans back in the venues. Oh, that would be huge, especially for boxing, because Sam, like you're still outside the bubble, right? The, the boxing bubble at top rank has been very tight and close quartered off to just maybe very few media have been able to get in there. Yeah, I have not been in there yet. Uh, top rank actually resumes operations in the bubble this this week. They put, there's a there's a card there Saturday, and then they, they go back to championship cards a week from Saturday with Jose Ramirez and Victor Passel at 140. So maybe there's a chance, you know, I can get in there for the, um, for one, one of those title fights or for something a little bit more marquee, but you're right, Heidi, they've been running the tight ship. And um, if there's, if there's, there's this test out there, like Adam um, alluded to more efficient, better, faster, whatever, whatever parameters there are, if, if there's a way to make this easier, uh, a sense of normalcy. I, I mean, I think we all want some type of, get to, maybe even if we're inching there, we want it a little closer to normal, right? I mean, that's what it sounds like. So, I mean, we'll have to see how this thing works out. All right. So last thing I want to touch on here before we wrap things up is coming up next for the UFC is Pedro Munoz and Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar at the bantam weight limit now, uh, having fought already at lightweight and been a champion there, then uh, featherweight and being a contender now down to bantamweight to face Pedro Munoz. And this will be the main event of that card at the UFC Apex. Adam, what do you make of Frankie Edgar as a bantamweight? I remember, I want to say it was back in Denver, uh, maybe UFC 135 when he fought Benson Henderson, that Dana White said Frankie Edgar should be fighting at bantamweight. And now it's taken all this time for him to finally run that course and get down to the weight class Dana says he thinks he's a natural at. What do you make of this move for Frankie Edgar? Yeah, I mean, it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive that he kind of fought it for so long. And now that you're older, uh, you decide to finally make that, make that switch. I mean, he was this is a guy that was the lightweight champion, 
uh, at 155. Uh, he has, you know, taken a bunch of fights at 145, fought for the title there. But uh, now coming down even further, when, you know, when you start to get up there uh, and Frankie Edgar is 38 years old, you start to get there, I think it becomes a little bit more tough uh, to cut those cut those pounds. But he's always been a littler guy for the weight class. Uh, at 55, he certainly was. Even at 45, he wasn't that big. Uh, so, you know, I, th- I think in terms of competing in this division, if he still feels that he has uh, power, uh, we know that he's always been fast. I mean, the speed might be neutralized a little bit by going down and fighting even even quicker and, and smaller guys, but uh, he must believe that this is his best route uh, at this point of his career. And, you know, Frankie Edgar is, is certainly talented. He's been in some absolute battles. He's a guy who's shown, uh, you know, so much heart and so much ability uh, throughout his career. Uh, I don't know exactly how much he has left. I mean, you can you can easily say, hey, listen, he's lost three of his last four. But who are those against? I mean, he lost to uh, Korean Zombie. He lost to Max Holloway. Uh, and that was a fight that went the distance. He, he fought uh, Brian Ortega. Uh, got knocked out in that fight. But, you know, th- that's that's three of the top guys at 145. So it's not like he's, you know, fighting middle-of-the-road guys and losing. I think he's still got something left. I don't know if he's a championship fighter at this point. But uh, I wouldn't be completely shocked if he made a little bit of a run at 135. Yeah, so actually, I always want to correct myself. I, it was in Denver for UFC 135, but the one card where Frankie fought that Dana talked about him, it was 150, still in Denver. So memory was almost there. But <laughs> uh, it was UFC 150 when Dana said that uh, Frankie should be fighting at bantamweight. So, yeah. And we just had UFC 252. It's crazy. I was thinking, too, 150. That seems like such a long time ago. No, it was only 2012, you know. I was just That's a long fledgling. time. Yeah, that, that's a long time. <laughs> Come on, man. Becky Edgar made his UFC debut at UFC 67, by the way. February 2007, he made his UFC debut. He's been in the game yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. If you go back on YouTube, you can actually find there. It was still there actually a couple of years back. He uh, was in a smoker fight in the Bronx like some years ago, like, just probably way before that debut in the UFC. So <laughs> he's, that's how long he's been fighting is when there were smokers I'm, in New York. I'm trying to remember what it was called. I think it was True Life. I'm a cage fighter on MTV. Yeah, yeah I think like you're right. Right around that time, which I mean, that <laughs> is that's a way long time ago. Super. I don't even know how long ago that was, but yeah, that's because I'm getting old, as you could tell by the many years that I've just said I covered this sport. So oh. <laughs> we, uh, anyway, uh, last thing I will talk about because we're just talking about uh, guys coming out. And I know I said that the that we just last talk about Frankie and Pedro, but um, you just reminded me, Adam, that Carlos Condit is also probably going to be coming back here to the UFC fold. And with Carlos Condit, man, I mean, he's another guy that's been around the UFC and the sport forever. Um, but he is coming out to fight Court McGee in October. Uh, as we keep talking about guys coming out of retirement, what do you make of this one for Carlos Condit? Has anybody been clamoring to see him? Now, here's the thing. He's not as old as we think. Uh, he's only 36. But... He has lost five straight. Uh, last fought in you know 2018, I believe it was when I think that was when he fought Kiesa. Uh, I don't know. I, I listen. Carlos Condit is a guy again, not as old as you think, at only 36, but he has been through some wars, man. That body is way older than 36, if you ask me. He's taken so much damage over the years. Uh, he's a guy who I, I you know, 
is a very intelligent guy, has a lot, uh, I think, that he can do in his life. Uh, I don't need to see him fight, but if he's – you can't tell guys when to quit. I mean, you can try. You can tell them, hey, I don't really need to see this anymore. Uh, but you just can't convince guys. You can't make them do it. Uh, and it's not like, you know, it's not It's not like he's taking a lot of knockouts. Uh, but he's just been in so many battles. It just feels like he's been through uh, way too much for me. So uh, hopefully he's, you know, he, he's at a point where, you know, he's doing well in the gym and he thinks like, hey, this is, uh, this is where I need to be. This is uh, me kind of feeling good again and where I felt when I was, uh, at the top of my game and much more competitive. Uh, hopefully, that's where he's at, and maybe some rest uh, did him some good, but this is not a guy I needed to see coming back. No, I have to agree with you there. All right, so I think we have touched on every person coming out of retirement to fight <laughs> anytime soon on this podcast. And uh, again, you guys can find us on reviewjournal.com slash podcast and make sure to hit subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Follow all of us on Twitter for your latest combat sports news at by Sam Gordon at Adam Hill LVRJ and I'm at Heidi Fang. And we thank everybody here for listening. We'll be back next week. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.